podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub. And start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Manchester United versus Liverpool game this coming Sunday at Old Trafford. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and now regular with us on the cop table. So we haven't got a United fan with us tonight. We've been uh, un, um, unfortunate in our search for one of them, um, but Jay's going to cover the United uh, side of things as well. So, um, thanks for coming on, Jay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, you know. Just one of them, wasn't it? We'd have to move on from the game in midweek against Bayern Munich and back to the Premier League action now. Vitally important game on Sunday and be massive if we can get the three points. Yeah, so, looking forward to it, mate. Huge game on, on the weekend. But, first of all, we're just going to have a little look back towards the um, the game in midweek against Bayern Munich and nil nil draw at Anfield. Not not a bad as result as some are making out in my opinion, obviously with the Bayern Munich not scoring and we're going over there um nil nil without conceding if we score an away goal obviously it's gotta be advantageous to us. So um give us your thoughts on the performance of the game, Jay, and the um the effects of the nil nil draw in your opinion. Well I was very surprised really it was nil nil. I mean before the game I don't think the there would have been too many people that would have predicted the nil-nil scoreline when you take into account, if you looked at Bayern Munich's form, they'd, they'd gone on a little bit of a run and started winning games again, where they do very poor in December time, but you know, obviously they've started winning games of football again really, and they've closed the gap in the Bundesliga with Borussia Dortmund, but what I've noticed is they still conceded quite a lot of goals, I think they've conceded eight or nine goals or something in four matches, four or five games, so you were thinking Liverpool being at Anfield under the lights, you know, big European night. Normally Liverpool tend to put teams to the sword and score a few goals. And, you know, when you analyse Liverpool as well, Virgil van Dijk, the main man at the back, was suspended for the game. So, I mean, it all pointed towards goals, didn't it? You know, I expect Liverpool to get a couple, maybe Bayern Munich to get an away goal. And it just never, never really materialised, never worked out that way. And it was a strange game, really. I mean, obviously before the game, People were saying Liverpool were favourites going into it, and I had to disagree, really. I mean, I was asked the question on Radio City Talk about it. Steve Hoddersall said to me, you know, are Liverpool favourites? And I said, no, not really, not in my opinion. It's genuine 50-50 tie. I mean, a take on board by Munich are not quite the team they were of the last few years. You know, they've got a few agency, 
aging players in the side now, but you know, many of them missed the game anyway. I mean, Ribery only come on late in the game. Arjun Robin missed the game, didn't he, altogether? You know, they've got experienced players. I mean, Thomas Muller's been there for a long time and he was suspended for the game. So, you know, they've got a new breather player now, really, haven't they? With, with Coleman on one wing and, and Gnabry on the other side. And I know they've still got Lewandowski up, up front, but, you know, he, he was pretty anonymous on the night, wasn't he? And I thought Fabinho and Matt have coped quite well with him, to be honest with you, and never really got a sniff, did he? But just a little bit disappointed, really, with Liverpool in the sense that in the first half, in a, you know, a game of that magnitude, you've got to take your chances, you've got to be clinical. Uh, and Sadio Mane has been very good for Liverpool since the turn of the year. He's probably been our best player in 2019 so far, our most dangerous threat, really, when you're analysed compared to Salah and, and what Firmino have, have been offering so far since 2019 began. Mane's been the main man for Liverpool, and you know we had a couple of chances in the first half in particular. And Gilt's edge chances really, and you've got to score one of them, especially the one where he was free in the box and he swivelled and just and hit it wide. You've got to be putting that away, and a little bit frustrating. And you know, half time come at the wrong time for Liverpool because we were in control and it, they looked like they were struggling a little bit. And if it probably would have went on for another five minutes, we may well have got the goal. But you know, half time came and it suited Bayern Munich really and in the second half the reason why I'm saying a bit, I'm a bit disappointed is because with us being the home team the onus was on Liverpool to come out in the second half and basically win the game and, and, and take that advantage over to the Allianz in three weeks time and we, you know, we huffed and puffed and pretty much like the Leicester game at home in the league pretty much like the West Ham game away in the league you know second half you come out and the onus is on you to try and win the game and you have a lot of the ball and you don't really create enough and you you know, we didn't really look like scoring for me. And you know, Manny had a header, didn't he glance and header that, you know, Noya got down well and saved and put what put out for it for a corner. But other than that, you know, we didn't really have too many opportunities. Matt have thrashed at one, didn't he? But he should have really showed a little bit better composure and brought it down at the shots. Instead he thrashed it high and wide and you know, Salah had a little bit of an opportunity where he he, he seemed rushed didn't he? And he flicked it into the side net and when to me he should have really looked up and tried to find someone, you know, in a better position than, than he was in. But it was just a little bit frustrating. And, and and the big thing to take from it though, from my point of view, really, is the fact that they never scored an away goal. And, and credit really to, as I said there, for, to Fabinho for filling in, doing a fantastic job centre half in the absence of Virgil van Dijk because we didn't really miss him, did we? You know, it, Fabinho, he, he looks a fantastic player in the middle of the park, but he, he copes very well playing centre-half as well. He's a very versatile player and, you know, he's done us a job there. He's done us a job in a, in a couple of games now this season in, in a defensive role. So it's good that he's got that versatility and the option there available for Liverpool to tap into, especially with the injuries that we've had at the centre of the defence with Joe Gomez being out for a long spell of time and also with Dejan Lovren being out as well. So it's not being ideal, but, you know, it's it's one of them, isn't it? You look at it and think, OK, you know, we've drawn the game. It's not the end of the world. We haven't lost. We haven't conceded the away goal and, and we go over there in three weeks' time. And you've got to fancy Liverpool, haven't you, really, to, to, to score an away goal. You'd fancy Liverpool, this Liverpool team, to score anywhere, you know, whether it's at Anfield or it's whatever venue it may be, whether it's the, the Bernabeu, the Allianz, the Newcastle, 
camp, Old Stafford on Sunday, you would always back this Liverpool team to score a goal. So hopefully if we get the away goal, it's enough. And even if they do score one themselves, we'll go through on the away goal rule. But it's it's in the melting pot, isn't it? You know, if, if you were a Bayern Munich fan and a Bayern Munich player and the manager, they're probably quite confident now themselves because it's just the case of they've got to win a game ball on their own patch. So, you know, you're always going to back yourself and you're at home to win a game. So, you know, it is very intriguing and it's it's finally balanced now going over there. And I'm quite relieved, really, Andy Robertson never got a booking because he would have been suspended for the second leg because uh, right at the end of the game, he could have been booked for a little bit of a, a, a silly foul, really, and then a little bit of descent for me. And it looked like he was going to book him late on in injury time. And fortunately, he got away with it and... You know, ironically, they're going to miss Kimmich, aren't they? They're, they're right full-back, which should shoot Liverpool a little bit because Rafina will probably have to come in now and replace him. And you know, he's going to be up against Sadio Mane. Hopefully, we'll have a little bit of a better evening in the Allianz in three weeks' time. But, you know, you've got to analyse and say certain players did perform quite well on the night, though. I mean, Jordan Henderson had one of his better games for Liverpool know, one of his best games I've ever seen him play in a red shirt, to tell you the truth. I thought he was very good in particular in the first half and you know, backed that up in the second half with a good performance as well. Um, you know, other than that, as I say, the two centre half done quite well. It was just a frustrating night really, you know, wasn't it? I thought Naby Keita also probed quite well. You know, he he he's hit a little bit of form, hasn't he? I mean in the game against West Ham, I thought in the first half he was absolutely horrendous. But in the second half, he improved a lot, and he was arguably our best, our best player um, against West Ham in the second half. And then he backed that up with a good performance, didn't he, against Bournemouth um, in, in the league game where we won three 0 And again, you know, he was one of our better players on the night against Bayern Munich. So hopefully, moving forward between now and the end of the season, he, he will go on a little bit of run of form, and maybe this little bit of confidence he's got from from these couple of performances he's just put in now will be good for Liverpool between now and May. But, like I say, there's a couple of disappointing performances as well. Quite possibly Andy Robertson's worst performance in a red shirt. I mean, he got skinned a few times by Gnabry, couldn't handle the lad's patience. And, you know, some of his passing was off and his decision-making as well. He had a poor evening, really. And as I say, I'm just relieved that he never got the booking at the end of the game. Um, And since struggled a little bit as well, you know, at times. And, some of his passing was a little bit off, but you know it's one of them. You, you put it to bed, don't you? You move on, and we've got a chance in three weeks' time to sort of rectify the problem, and hopefully we we'll get through to the quarterfinals of the yeah, Champions League. Yeah, and um, one player who who we spoke about in the me in the week, me and uh, yourself and a few of the lads were speaking about Roberto Firmino, and is sort of wasn't saying a dip in form, but he, he's not that um, that goal threat that he has been in the past. 18, 24 months, if you like, where, where he scored over 20 goals last season. Um, and obviously he's playing in, in a deeper role this year, but he did play in the number nine role against Bayern Munich. And I don't really think he had any <laughs> any chances on, on target, did he, or, or any shots of, of any note. So um, do you think playing him in this deeper role has had an effect on his, his role when he's now playing further forward in, in the lineup, Jay? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, his confidence has probably been knocked a little bit, hasn't it? Because he's been messed around a bit in terms of his position when we played a 4-2-3-1 system or we played a 4-2-2-2 or we've obviously played the, the 4-3-3 system. And, 
you know, but really he should be, you know, used to the players around and his teammates, you know, Manny, Salah, you know, the midfield players, you know, Jordan Henderson, Genie Wijnaldum. He's used to playing with these players. We should be familiar with them regardless of whether he's playing, you know, a little bit deeper or a little bit further forward or not. And, you know, going back like to the start of last season, I questioned the decision when he was given the number nine shirt. I thought, does that mean he's going to be our number nine going forward in terms of, like, obviously, numbers nowadays, it doesn't make any, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it, what a number is? But, you know, when you say a number nine, it's, it, it's like a saying, isn't it? He's your number nine, he's your target man, he's your main man up front. And, that's exactly how I, I portrayed it and, and lo and behold he did play as a number nine last season for us and, and basically he proved me wrong because I questioned is he going to score enough goals I don't think he'll score enough goals to be the number nine you know you want we needed a goal scorer a proper goal scorer and he proved me wrong I hold my hands up you know he scored 27 28 goals last season and he was absolutely fantastic and it wasn't just about the goals that he scored because anyone scoring close to 30 goals in a campaign for you is 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 fantastic you know for the centre forward it's brilliant you know what I mean not gonna not gonna complain about it I mean I know Mo Salah did he get 44 goals last season but he had a bit of a season he was just a phenomenon wasn't he last season Mo Salah but the amount of goals that Firmino scored was totally acceptable for a number nine, 27, 28 goals, you know, fantastic. And he proved me wrong, and it wasn't just about the goals he scored, it was everything else that he gives to the team. It's his work ethic, he leads from the front, he presses all, you know, the centre-halves don't get a moment's peace, and he's got lovely touches, his link plays great, he's got great energy levels, works, works his socks off. But this season, it's been a little bit different, hasn't it? You know, he sort of, like, he has played a bit deeper, and he hasn't scored as many goals, and I've noticed he... It doesn't really seem to work as hard. I mean, as in general, the Bill team has not really pressed as much as it has done, well, basically last season. We haven't really seen the same type of style, have we? We've modified the way we play a little bit, and I think it's had a detrimental effect to his form and his performances. And I mean, I don't think he played too badly the other night. He did work really hard, I thought. Mo Salah was, was, was far worse on the night than what Firmino was, considering... In the build-up to the game, for me, you know, was a bit of a doubt with an illness. Um, but but I do worry this season. He, he dipped his form has dipped to the level of when I raised me doubts about whether he's good enough to be number nine and score enough goals because I think he scored eleven goals this season in thirty-four, thirty-five appearances, and he did score a hat-trick against Arsenal. And when you think about it, he's basically scored in nine games of football this season out of thirty-five. But that's virtually a one in four ratio. And that's terrible for a number nine, isn't it? You know, when you think about it, playing in this team like Liverpool, the amount of chances that we create and control the amount of games of football that we control with our dominance or, you know, ball retention and what have you. So he's been disappointing this season. And, and even the, the super fans out there who won't have a bad word said about Firmino, even surely they can admit that themselves that he's not been the same player this season as he was last year. He just hasn't really got going. I mean, people say maybe he had a little bit of a World Cup hangover. Shouldn't be having a World Cup hangover into February into like, you know, only a couple of months of the, the next season remaining. So he has had a poor season. There's no two ways about it. But, you know, we're still top, joint top of the Premier League and still in the last 16 of the Champions League. So it makes you wonder, doesn't it, if he would have had a, a bit of a better season and scored maybe six or seven more goals where where would we be now? Do you know what I mean? And it's not I'm not putting pinpointing it down to him, but you know, if you're gonna generalise and, and and assess his season so far, he's been quite poor. But 
uh, that's not me really criticising the lad. It's more about the fact that, yeah, you've got to take on board that he has played different roles this season. And, and to be brutally honest, it hasn't really suited them, has it? Um, and the same token with Salah as well. This season for me, I mean, you know, you've got to consider the fact that, yeah, I know he's still scored 20 goals for us and he scored quite a lot of the important goals because he scored the first goal in quite a lot of games. But, you know, last season he was scoring twos and threes and four in, in one game. This season he scored one attack against Bournemouth away. And other than that, he just scores ones here, there and everywhere. And it's just like, you know, penalties as well. And he just hasn't been the same player either. So his system change may well have worked in the sense that, yeah, we can't argue with the league position and the points that we've accumulated. But the actual performance levels have still not really been to the standard of last season. Have we've just been a lot more methodical, not conceded many goals. Defensively, we're a lot more sound at the back, got a better goalkeeper now. Van Dijk's a Rolls-Royce, as we keep saying. We're, we're a lot more controlled in games, but we're not as free-flowing. And we don't... I mean, I think we've scored similar amounts of goals, to be honest, but it just hasn't been quite... You haven't really clicked the front three, in my opinion. It's been a little bit different to last season. We've just kept the back door shut a little bit better. That's the only the only theory behind it. But, you know, we're still waiting, aren't we, for the front three to click. You know, it would be wonderful if it happens on Sunday at Old Stafford. But it has been a little bit frustrating. And, and like, the performance levels of, as I say, Firmino and Salah not being quite to the levels of last season. Yeah, yeah I'd just like to... Um... Just reading a few of the comments from the from the manager at Bayern Munich after the game that, that that's come out and basically he said um, after when it's close to the final whistle and basically Bayern Munich were trying to waste a bit of time. Um, he mentioned Martinez went down with a little bit of cramp and admitted that it, it's all a little bit of acting from them. Recently in the game, he went on to say that they were three to three two up against the Hertha Berlin and. Kingsley Coleman also pretended to have a, a bit of cramp when he didn't. He, he's publicly said this, um, saying that he wants to bring a bit of calmness to the game and they have the experience to do that. But obviously we know in the professional game this is this is nothing new. Players waste time, taking time with throw-ins and things like that. But um, do you think this serves as uh, a respect that Bayern showed Liverpool that they, they had to waste time at the end of the game, to to get over the line with with a with a draw, um, in that game. Yeah, it's definitely an element of the dark arts, isn't he? As they say, and you know, it was obvious. I thought it when you were watching the game. The first fifteen twenty minutes, I thought Bayern Munich settled quite well, and they had a little go at Liverpool. And as I say, at times, you know, Robertson got targeted, didn't he? he got skinned a few times by Gnabry, but I, I think the end of the first half basically they were, they, they were back to the wall weren't they and I think they, they felt our power if you like and thought oh, oh we can't be having this like we're going to have to be careful here and try and defend deep and like you know you'll get back in numbers and what have you and you know, have to stick to a, to a game plan a defensive game plan really and, and yeah you know to try and like little cue fouls here and there you know it, it's tactical fouls I mean Manchester City with Fernandinho, he gets away with murder in the Premier League, doesn't he? And he, he didn't do the night, actually, ironically, against Schalke. But, you know, it, it, he does a lot of the, the tactical fouls, doesn't he? And a few of their players were trying it on. And, and of course, you know, the, the cramp issue is new late on in the game where Javi Martinez went down a couple of times. And, you know, it is what it is. And you've got to deal with that type of thing. And, and because of the way Liverpool are, teams do feel Liverpool, especially when they come to Anfield. I mean, 
you know, I think this Liverpool team is perfect for playing away from home because of the counter attack. But you know, obviously, when European teams come to Anfield, they do fear us. They fear the twelfth man, the crowds as well, the atmosphere, and you know, th- th- there is an element of the dark arts that come into play because you know they're very experienced side, aren't they? So you know, they're going to try everything they can to. to obviously, they're made up, aren't they, that they avoided defeat at Anfield, but. You know, they're gonna they, they tried everything, didn't they? Every trick in the book really and you know, they got the result that they wanted. I mean, I'm sure they would have liked to have scored an away goal, but you know, nil nil to take them back, as I said before. They'll back themselves if they've got a fantastic home record in the Alliance arena and they'll back themselves to win a, a one off game of football now really on their own patch. It's just whether or not Liverpool, if we score an away goal, can they score two goals and you know, we're going to have Virgil van Dijk back you know, from suspension for the second leg. So Liverpool should be a little bit more assured at the back as well. And then that hopefully will push Fabinho into midfield. And Liverpool should be solid and hard to break down. It's going to be an intriguing game, isn't it? But you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the Allianz Arena, whether or not they'll try a little bit of the tactical fouls and, and, and the, you know, the dark arts on their own patch. Because maybe they'll try and, you know, a little bit more impetus and go for the game a little bit more. On their own ground, and hopefully that will shoot Liverpool on the counter attack. But you know, it's as I said, it's finally balanced, isn't it? And you know, it doesn't surprise me that these teams try all this because you know you only have to look back to Kiev in May in the European Cup final against Real Madrid, and you know, Sergio Ramos, what he done to Mo Salah. So you know, you can't tell me that there wasn't talk in their dressing room. Let's target their main man. Mo Salah's the danger man. Let's see if we can hit him early and see what happens. And you know, the way it sounds fired what happens you know it was just one of them moments wasn't it where you know you can't really preempt that happening but they certainly would have targeted them in that final and it's similar with Bayern Munich they they know they're going to have to do something to to upset Liverpool's rhythm and the tempo of how we play and you know it worked for them at Anfield yeah, the other night. Spot on Jay right okay we seem to have uh, covered all the the Bayern Munich okay, so we're going to move on to our, our next fixture which is the big one Sunday Manchester yeah. United away. Obviously, they've had a big turnaround in form since uh, Jose Mourinho was sacked. They've gone unbeaten in the league um, and the cup since then, only suffering the defeat by uh, PSG in the in the Champions League. So, um, what what sort of threat do you see this um, improved United side now posing us on um, on Sunday, Jay? Well, look, it's it's obviously going to be a difficult game, and it's it's a tricky place to go, isn't it, Old Stafford? I mean, Liverpool haven't done well there over the years, to be honest with you. I mean, went through a little spell, didn't we, where we won three on the spin, where Danny Murphy got three winners, you know, like back to back years and what have you. And then we went on a bit of a lull period where we couldn't beat them, and then we had that four-one victory, didn't we, in two thousand and nine? I think it was under Rafa Benitez, and didn't have another win then until two thousand and four. Team when we were going for the title, ironically going for the title again when um, Steven Gerrard scored a couple of penalties, didn't he, on the day? And we won 3 0. I think it was when David Moyes was their manager. And, you know, it's it's not a happy hunting ground for Liverpool, though, as a rule. We normally struggle there. And, you know, at times we've probably froze on a big occasion there. And, you know, if you look at Manchester United and if they weren't as bad as what like they were performing under Mourinho, you could just you could tell though, couldn't you, that it was the atmosphere and the dress. He'd lost the dressing room. It was toxic. The fans 
half they were split weren't they some were still like defending him and behind him because they thought you know Jose Mourinho he's one of the best managers you know in world football his CV speaks for itself he's won European Cup with a couple of different clubs he's won the league with Chelsea on two different tenures and you know, everyone knows what he's capable of doing, but he's the type of manager that's very negative and he nullifies the opposition. And a lot of the time, his way of winning games of football is actually by defence, to play defensive football. And it just didn't really suit Manchester United. His mantra didn't suit what their club's all about. And, you know, they've got some very good players that he was stifling there, to tell you the truth. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that obviously he's been sacked and they've had an upturn in form. Not just because he's gone and the dressing room is probably a little bit better than what it was when he was there. More the fact that, you know, look at the runner, runner fixtures that they had. They had a lot of games that were very winnable. I wonder, Mourinho, they might have made hard work of them victories, but they probably still would have won most of the games. Solskjaer's come in, and in any walk of life, if you're happy going to work, you know, if you're going to your job on a daily basis and you've got a smile on your face and you're happy, then thing, you're going to get results more so than not, aren't you? And that's what Solskjaer's gone done. He's just gone in there and he's basically put the smile back on people's faces, started playing football a little bit more like the old Manchester United way. And and obviously, like certain players have, have found the form again under, under Solskjaer. And, you know, am I impressed with the run they've been on? Not particularly, though, no, because, you know, OK, they've beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup, but... We, we all know Arsenal are a very poor side. They're good going forward with Aubameyang and Lacazette. But when it comes to the defensive side of the game, they're an absolute shambles and they have been for a long time. And Emery's gone in there and he's improved the way they play a little bit because they've gone totally stale under Wenger. But they still can't defend. They've still got a poor goalkeeper. They've still got a poor set of centre-halves. They're still quite weak in the middle of the park, even though Serrera is quite a good sign. And but when United went there in the cup and beat them 3-1, that didn't register anything with me because any decent side that plays Arsenal puts three past them, we put five past them. So, you know, I don't think that was the greatest result in the world. The biggest result that United, this United team had was winning away to Spurs when they won 1-0 at Wembley. But if you analyse that game, you were very, very fortunate to win that game. I mean, in the second half, De Gea made about nine saves, I think, I think it was, and Spurs missed about four or five sitters. You know, on another day, I know you can't score every chance, every chance you create. But on another day, Spurs could have put four or five past United and give them a hiding. So you were very, very lucky that day when they beat Spurs. Um, and, and okay, they've gone to uh, Stamford Bridge and knocked Chelsea out the FA Cup, which I don't want to take too much away from that victory because going to Stamford Bridge at any time is always a difficult place to go. But what I will say is they got lucky in, in, in a way because they played Chelsea when they're in turmoil, when they've just been smashed by Man City 6-0 in the league. They've been on a really poor run, lost 4-0 at Bournemouth. So, you know, when you think about it, they've, been, they've had a lot of luck on, along the way in, 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 this, in this run that they've had. I mean, I look back to when they played Fulham, beat Fulham 3-0 away, beat Leicester 1-0 away. In them, in them games, you could really have... Like, Fulham could have scored 2 or 3 against them. Leicester could have scored 2 or 3 against them. So you, you do get opportunities to score against this Manchester United team. And I, as I say, I, I'm 
I impressed with the run they've been on? Not particularly, no, because you know the group of players that they've got, we all know what Pop was capable of doing on his day. He's very inconsistent, but he's shown a little bit of form now that he's been playing quite well for six weeks. Same with Rashford. We all knew what he was capable of doing. He's only a young kid, but we know how dangerous he can be. He's a knife for goal. And he's hit a rich vein of form along with Pogba. We know that we know what they're all about. They've got players that can score goals. They've got players who can hear you. You know, they've spent a lot of money. Mourinho spent a hell of a lot of money and assembled a team there of stars, really. And they were just underperforming. And so it doesn't surprise me how, how the, the fortunes have turned around in terms of like picking up victories and moving up the table and actually getting into the top four now. And but, but what I will say is when they play the proper team, and when they played a team that, you know, probably incomparable to Liverpool, as should we say, in the Champions League, Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain basically taught them a lesson on their own pitch at Old Trafford. They beat them 2-0. It could have easily been 4-0. And let's get one thing straight here. Paris Saint-Germain were missing players that night. I mean, they were missing Neymar, they were missing Cavani, they were missing Mounier, the full-back. Now, OK, fair enough. Some people will say about Neymar, he's not really a team player, so... You know, missing him probably worked in their favour, and, and and that's there's probably a good you know there's probably a that's a good point really. But you still got to got to say they were missing a couple of key players, and they went to Old Trafford and taught them a lesson. Now I'm looking at this game now on Sunday, thinking, well, you know, Liverpool Liverpool are a similar level to Paris Saint Germain. We played them this season in Europe in the in the group stage and beat them at Anfield three two, absolutely murdered them to be honest. I know we scored an injury time winner, but you know, Liverpool were two one up and had loads and loads of chances to, to kill the game off. Didn't. Mbappe went down and made it two two and then obviously Firmino come on and we won the game. But you know, Liverpool absolutely controlled that game. It was a fantastic performance really. When we went to the Park de France, we struggled a bit in the first, first half. It was back to the walls. We we basically went two 0 down and pulled one back right on the stroke of half time on the penalty. And in the second half, Liverpool was only really one team. Look like scoring again in that game. Liverpool. So, you know, this is what I'm trying. The barometer I'm trying to use is Manchester United have not played a team other than Paris Saint Germain. Like, uh, and to me, we should be going there with no fear whatsoever because Liverpool are better than Man United. The table doesn't lie. We've got better players than them. It's as simple as that. And basically, we've just got to go there with that attitude of we're playing a team who, who are trying to get in the top four are not genuine contenders and Liverpool are genuine contenders for the title so to me we've just got to go there and play our normal game and if we play to a certain standard of what I expect us to then you know I'm confident that we can get a result there Yeah, yeah it's going to be um, very interesting to see how Liverpool approach the game on Sunday and um, we talk about it on each podcast Jay don't we the the predicted starting lineup from from ourselves and um, obviously Van Dijk's going to come back in, isn't he, into the into the centre half role? But once again, it seems to be the the midfield uh, three or possibly the two three one where uh, people are going to find it hard to to predict this um, this starting lineup. But if you're put yourself in Jurgen Klopp's shoes, looking at this game, obviously with with, with the threat of Pogba and possibly Herrera Massa playing for them. Who would be your your three or or two and then the three in front if um if the, if it was your decision please Jay? It's very difficult really to judge because normally I mean normally 
I would say because there's only a five-day gap between these two games, then I wouldn't be starting Jordan Henderson because it's rare that he plays two games in a week. But what I will say is he, he was very good against Bayern Munich the other night. So on that basis, it, when when someone is in a little bit of form, like as as he should be, he should be bouncing now after that performance and confidence in his own ability. Really, it'd be a bit strange if, if Henderson didn't start. But because, obviously, Fabinho is going to move into midfield, you'd imagine because Virgil van Dijk will slot back in at centre-half. I mean, there's been people saying, I'd rather have Fabinho centre-half with van Dijk and, and bomb Matip out the side. I can't see Klopp doing it because Joel Matip is a centre-back by trade. So he'll go with the natural player in that position for me. So I think it will be Matip and van Dijk centre-half pairing. But then Fabinho has been so good playing centre mid. To me, he's got to play. He's got to start. If you look back to the game when we played him at Anfield in December, Fabinho was man of the match. He was absolutely fantastic. He ran the show in the middle of the park. So he's got to play. Genie Van Alden for me has got to play as well because you know his energy levels, the way he gets down the pitch, and he's well balanced. Goes left, he goes right. He he'll, he'll he won't give Pogba a moment's peace for me. He'll be all over him like a rash. So, so in my opinion, Wijnaldum's got to start as well. So then you're looking at it thinking, depending on the system, whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or whether it's going to be 4-3-3. So you're looking at it thinking, well, will James Milner start the game? Because he's fresh, isn't he? he's not really played. He didn't start the other night. He's by Munich. This game could be right up his street. You know, the ex- big game experience. You know, Milner is, an, is, is a good pro, isn't he? So then you're looking and thinking, well, but Navi Keita's started performing quite well, hasn't he? He's had a couple of goals back performances and he's a little bit better than the others in terms of creativity and linking with the forward players and getting the ball from deep and running with it and going past players. You see like a little bit of magic from him the other night each by Munich where dropped the shoulder, left two for dead. Sadly he ended up passing the ball away, giving the ball away. But you know it was a brilliant little bit of bit of magic from him and you need to see a little bit more of that and he can do that. You know, and we moan, don't we? We've moaned this season that we've knocked Slade Chamberlain so much because the transition from midfield to attack, the quickness of, of doing it, we haven't really got anyone who can do what Oxlade Chamberlain does. Shakiri at times, at times has done it in patches, but you know, to me he seems better cutting in from like you know, like the wing really to do it, not like from central areas like Oxlade Chamberlain did last season and like basically what Nabi has shown little glimpses of what he can do. So it is very difficult. We always say it, don't we? It's hard to second guess Klopp. But it is a massive dilemma for him because, you know, I think we what they're going to play. It's going to be Herrera and Matic and Pogba. That's going to be their midfield three without a shadow of a doubt. So it's how you match up with what they're going to play. Um, and, and as I say, it's difficult to assess because you've genuinely got five players there, haven't you? To go into three positions, really, haven't you? So, I don't know. It's going to be a very tricky one and it'll be interesting when the team news comes out an hour before kick-off on Sunday afternoon. Um, and, you know, it's obviously going to be the front three because no matter what, you know, we said before about Salah and for me, you know, a little bit off the pace at the minute. They're not playing well, haven't had great seasons, really, if you look at it in a, in a general point of view, um, performance levels. But what the, the drop-off of the backups that we've got on the bench... With, with Sturridge and Oregi, neither of them are good enough to start this game. And, and to be honest, they're not good enough anyway, full stop, but certainly not good enough to start in a game of this magnitude with the, the importance on it that, you know, Liverpool really need the results because, you know, this is our game and hand. Let's not forget, 
you know, we, we really need something from this game. And at the bare minimum, it has to be a point because, you know, we the last thing we want is for this title race to be out of our own hands. And, you know, we need to really get at least a point at the minimum. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And I just think it's, for me, if if you said to me who is the, the first name out of that, that's that five that I've just spoken about there, who is the one player that 100% has to start in the midfield area? Personally, I would say Fabinho, because he was man of the match when we played him in December time. He looks a million dollars now playing in that role, and he is the man that has to start. In terms of the other players, it's really difficult to say, but, it, but you know, I think Wijnaldum deserves to get a start as well, and then it's whoever fits in with it. Know, the other three to, to take the other position really but it's very difficult to assess what's going to happen but yeah, yeah and, um, and James Pierce, I read an article by him in the Echo today said that a similar thing to yourself that Fabino's probably the one of the first names on the team sheet now along with, along with the likes of Van Dijk um, and it's whoever plays alongside him really so I'd, I'd agree with you Wijnaldum, he's he's been um, he's been very consistent this year, hasn't he? He's he's not really put a foot wrong. He, he had a great game against Bournemouth, candidate for man of the match as well for me. Um, so yeah, Fabinho and Wijnaldum have to start this this game on Sunday, and then it's it's a toss up, isn't it, between um, Kater Henderson, even even James Milner, who could come in the, in there for the, for his industry and his and his work ethic, but. Um, I'm looking at it as if if we if we we want to win this game we we've got to play on the front foot and and for me that means playing that same three that we played against Bournemouth which is Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Cater which would mean Henderson unfortunately dropping out in, in this one even though he did have a very good game like you said against Bayern I think if we want to play on the front foot like I say it's it's them three who need to start for me and then it's obviously you your front three of um, Salah, Firmino, and, and Mane. So it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of um, starting eleven Jurgen Klopp puts puts out. This is barring any injuries as well, isn't it? So interesting to see on Sunday what uh, he goes with. So Jay, uh, before we play the the music from the the band that's been in touch with us this week, we're going to get a, a score prediction and um, your reasons for them, please. Well, look, you know, it's not going to be an easy game. We we all know that. You know, there's a massive rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester United. It's the biggest rivalry in in English football in in the past, and obviously even the present. Now, you know, you're looking at it. In Manchester United have got absolutely no chance of winning league titles, not even close. And you know, the the city rivals, Manchester City, the team Liverpool are, are, are obviously fighting with for this title and. It just shows you, doesn't it, how much they hate us that they'd rather the, the team in their own city won the league over over you know Liverpool. So make no mistake, they're going to be right up for this. They're not just the players, also the fans as well. So you know it, it is what it is. It's a tricky place to go. I'm expecting them to be right up for it, no matter what. But Liverpool have just got to go there without fear because you know as I said before, Liverpool are better than Manchester United, and, and that is a fact. The league table does not lie. We've got better players than them. Yeah, you know, they've got good players. There's no doubt about that. But Liverpool have got better players than them. And and what I will say is, you know, I'd be very, very disappointed if, you know, in, in the big games, I, I look at the managers in the, in the really big games. Now, 
I'd be very disappointed if Jurgen Klopp gets tactically outwitted by Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, you know, he's gone there with a lot of enthusiasm and they've sort of like, they've got to this stage now, built a little bit of confidence, momentum up. On energy levels, really, more so than anything else. They're all being so sad and gloomy and dull under, under you know, the, the way it was under the Mourinho. And he's just give them a lift. And and it's proved it in, in some of the performances that we've seen and they've scored quite a lot of the goals. But, you know, like I say, you, you've got to think to yourself, come on, you know, the, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was Cardiff manager and basically they got relegated. That was his only uh, other experience he's had in English football. Other than that, he, he's managed in the Norwegian league with Older. Now, he's won a, a Norwegian title uh, and he's done okay. There. He's done quite well there. But, you know, let's be honest, the Norwegian league is a different kettle of fish to the Premier League. And, and granted, he's with better players. Now, this group of players he's got at Manchester United is far superior than the team he's got at Molde. I understand that. But what I'm trying to say is when it comes down to the big games, the real big games, Jürgen Klopp is a lot more experienced than being in high-pressure situations as a manager. Yes, Solskjaer more so as a player, but I'm talking as a manager. No way on planet Earth should Jürgen Klopp be getting tactically outwitted by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now, now I take on board Mike Phelan's right-hand man, and he's obviously an, an ex-Ferguson man, and some say... Alex Fergus is having a little bit of an input into things, which may well be true. But, you know, you've got to fancy Liverpool to be able to go there. And if we play to a certain standard, I mean, if we play really well, we will win the game, no problem. If we play to a certain standard, it's all about being clinical and taking your chances. Now, we're probably going to have 10, 12 chances in the game, and it's all about taking them. And, and the other night is Bayern Munich, we never. And this is what I'm saying about when you get opportunities, you've got to be clinical in these games, in the big games. And that's what's got to happen on Sunday. I'd be very, very disappointed if Liverpool don't at least get a point. I think we can go there and win. I really do. Yes, they've got players who can hurt us. Yes, they've got you know some good players and, and players in their team who can score goals. I take that on board. I really do. But I think I will go as far as to say if Liverpool lose to this this Manchester United team, bearing in mind how important it is to Liverpool, it would be a disaster. So, in my opinion, that won't happen. I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be positive, I'm going to be confident. I think Liverpool can go there and get a victory. A draw would be acceptable, but I think Liverpool can win. So, I'm going to go for my favourite scoreline and I'm going to say a 2-1 Liverpool victory. Going for a 2-1 victory to Liverpool, Jay. Yeah, just my own thoughts on the on the game on Sunday. Pretty much a similar view to what Jay's got. Um, obviously, going to Old Trafford, majority of the, of the crowd, you're up against them. It's, it's going to be a very good atmosphere. Um, back in United, obviously, but our, our lads need to thrive in, in that sort of atmosphere. And we've proved that in the past we've gone to Roma and... We've won there. We've gone to Manchester City in the semi-finals of the Champions League and 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 won there. So um, we're used to them sort of atmospheres, and hopefully it's one that we can we can thrive on. Similar to what Jay's saying as well about the team with Van Dijk coming back in uh, makes us a lot more solid at the back with Trent returning as well. Looked like he had a good game um, against Bayern Munich. Robertson obviously needs to to step up once again. Um, He's dropped off the pace slightly, like Jay said, um, the past couple of games. But he, he's still still no mug, so he, he just needs to 
to get that back to that level where, where he was at once again. Um, so yeah, a scoreline prediction. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a two nil victory for Liverpool in this game. I just think um, if Case is playing, he, he's one who, who can link that midfield and attack like he, like he has been doing and and continue in the good vein of form that he's in. Um, Salah seems seems to thrive in away games as well when he when he's got that little bit more space like he showed away at Bournemouth. So I just think that with United being the home side, they're gonna have to come out a little bit. Their fans expect them to come out and have a go at Liverpool. They, from speaking to one or two of them, they seem confident that they can get get a result. So they're gonna come out and um, and try and give us a game, which which is gonna play into our hands. I think if we can we can stifle them in their attack and, and play through the midfield and, and, and use the space that they're going to then provide us with. I just can see us scoring a couple of goals and, and that's that's my thoughts. I'm going to go with a, a 2-0 victory for Liverpool in this in this game on Sunday. So, thanks very much, Jay. That's the, uh, the cop table preview of the Manchester United versus Liverpool game. All done, and um, up next will be our, our Wofford preview. That's right, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, we've got Wofford having me next Wednesday, so I'm sure we'll get that out on maybe yeah, Monday or Tuesday of next week. That one as well. So, yeah, thanks very much to the at, at Liverpool online and Facebook page that's been supporting us um, this season. Don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign with um, with Paul Bentley and the, and the lads over there. So... Thanks very much, everybody, for for listening, and we'll be back uh, with our Wofford preview next week. Speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases give me cash back. My credit card purchases give me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation, sir? PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins, you've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense, anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the table? No, chairs, too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.